What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going. Jack, we've made it to the final third of our top 100 list now as we go through players 40 to 31. We'll finally be tapping into the tail end of that final third and down to the home stretch. It's the call up and we have this continuation of what is the rundown of each of our top 100 prospects and it's getting just spicier and spicier as we get closer to number one. It, it gets better every time we've talked about this. Like if, if we were more excited about 80 to 71 than we were 40 to 31, then the list is wrong. Well, um, I, I kind of was though, cause of Joey Weimer, but, but that aside, yes, point stands. I understand. Yeah. But that, that's a guy that, you know, you're taking, I, I don't want to necessarily say you're taking a flyer on, but you might have higher than some other guys. Yeah. Now these are the guys that are consensus top 100 and now it's, where do they fall? And there's intrigue if they're higher than the consensus. There's intrigue if we've got them lower than the consensus. So, uh, no, it's going to be really enjoyable to go through these guys, um, you know, much like we did last week. I will, you know, look at what some of the other uh, outlets have them ranked as. Um, look at their 2021s, 2022s, overall outlook for their organization, and uh, decide if they're going to be good or not. Yeah, and, and the plan is, for most, plan is for most of these guys to be good. Uh, I think so. I, th- I think most of them are going to be good. And uh, Tyler Soderstrom w- was phenomenal uh, to start his professional career. You know, first round pick catcher that had the defensive questions, uh, no doubt about it. But Oakland, you know, they love the bat and understandably so, right? 6'2, 205 pounds or so, uh, but a good feel to hit from the left side. 
And we saw that in what was a phenomenal low A season last year. And again, that's a big jump for a high school guy straight to a full season, a low A ball didn't really spend too much time at the complex or rookie league. And he hit 306, 395, 68. So 145 WRC plus 24% K rate, 10% walk rate. He's off to a bit of a slow start this year, but is starting to show signs of life and come out of it. Uh, 167 to start the year, uh, but flashing the power with three home runs in 19 games. And I think we'll continue to see that uh, be evident for him. The big question was the glove, right? And, and is the glove and, and how is he going to be behind the dish? A lot of evaluators really were, were scared uh, off from really projecting him for sure as a full-time catcher uh, reports are, uh, and it looks like it too, from what I've seen that he, he has made major improvements behind the dish uh, that he worked very hard throughout the off season. Uh, and honestly, I think it's evident in the early results, even on a basic counting stat, he had 15 pass balls in 38 games last year, 11 games so far this year, he has only one pass ball. Uh, so he seems to just be better all around uh, in the receiving department uh, in the blocking department. And, and we're seeing him more comfortable moving behind the dish as well. There, there's no reason to rule this kid out yet as a catcher. And if he's even an average catcher, Jack, the bat's going to be well above average for the position. The bat's going to be well above average. I, I think that's the thing that everybody needs to circle and highlight and underline and bold. Um, the other thing is he's doing a teensy bit better of a job of, of dealing with base runners. And I think he's, he's garnered a little bit of respect. Um, I don't know how many of those starts last year among the 38 that he made behind the dish were with the experimental pickoff rule. Exactly. Um, he had 55 stolen bases on him in 38 games. Yeah. This year, you mentioned 11 games. He only has eight stolen bases on him. The the caught stealing percentage is right around 20%. That's what it's going to be at. Um, I think Shea Langoliers is a better catcher for Oakland. Oh, but yeah. I think that Soderstrom projects as a better bat for Oakland. So, you know, what's it going to be? Is Soderstrom going to be the first baseman that diminishes some of his prospect value because he's a fine catcher now? And you're right. I, I texted Adam Jackson, who is one of the broadcasters for Lansing, which is the high A team that he's with. And I simply asked, I said, hey, man, long time, no talk. How is Soderstrom? Like, <laughs> what do you think like, about you, Soderstrom? He's like, just you, you, you piece of shit. You haven't texted yeah. me for my birthday. And right. you just asked like, me about, you just, just use me pushing for so, agenda. So Soderstrom information, you, you sicko. Exactly. But, and he said, hey, man, good. How are you? Soderstrom looks great. Um, he's receiving a lot better than apparently he was last year. Apparently he put a ton of work in, um, you know, you're not necessarily seeing it statistically, but overall comfortability, he looks like a comfortable catcher back there, which is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And again, even if it all goes poorly behind the dish, which I, I think, you know, based on what you're seeing, you're hearing from people that see him every day now and the reports in general, and even some of the, the small things that I've seen from his comfort back there. Uh, but even if it doesn't work out back there, his bat has the potential to be 285, 30 home runs and get on base at a good clip. And even if he's a first baseman, yes, that diminishes the, the quote unquote prospect value. Uh, but there's a legitimate chance where Tyler Soderstrom is similar to a Nick Prado type prospect at first base, albeit maybe not quite the glove. Uh, but yeah. the the offensive potential, less Ks, but but just to say he could be a very good first base prospect that is is still a top 100 guy. If he's an average catcher, he's a top 30, top 40 prospect. And that's kind of why we have him here, because we think he can be an average catcher potentially. Yeah. And again, how much do you care about the defensive value at first base? Right. Not Prado is 
Right. Prado's under Soderstrom right now because we don't care that much about defensive value at first base. And Prado looks like he's going to win five gold gloves in his first decade at first base yeah. at Kansas City. So, you know, it, it, it didn't matter that much. Um, I think if Soderstrom sticks, then boom. Uh, but just going to the bat, man, like he is a pure hitter. He seems like a pure hitter and it's easy power too. Um, I'm worried about the strikeout numbers. I think as he sees better stuff, those might tick up. But if he's a low 30s strikeout guy, I think, what do you think? I think, yeah, so I'm, I'm worried about the Ks just because it's, it's more pitch wreck. Yeah. But, like, his bat-to-ball is phenomenal. You talk about pure hitter, he, he's top of the line in terms of contact rates. And I know that's why you see some really aggressive rankings if you look across the industry on Soderstrom, those that are very analytically driven, I would not be surprised at all to see them be way higher on Soderstrom. Like the fan graphs of the world, I could see them being a little bit higher on Soderstrom uh, because they're they're looking at zone contact. They're looking at those things as well. He is elite in that department. And right now it's just he's swinging at everything, Jack. Like he, he, he's he's got a 42% chase rate uh, on breaking balls. It's even worse. That's really the issue for him. Uh when he is swinging though, and it's in the zone, he's putting bad on ball. It's just the swing decisions. And again, how often do we see this Jack, a good hit tool guy, a borderline plus hit tool guy that just swings too much. That's it. Yes. Sometimes the simple equation is just swing a little bit less. And at 20 years old, I think Soderstrom can, can come that far and, and figure that out. And we just talked about it last episode with Matos. That's exactly Luis Matos's problem. Um, Soderstrom, I don't have fan graphs ranking here, but Baseball America, he's 21. Baseball Prospectus, he's 23. So we're a lot lower on Soderstrom than those two, but we're a lot higher than 56 that Pipeline has him at. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. We're And so we're closer to fan graphs who has him at 37. Um, so it looks like I know Baseball America is big into the, the back end and, you know, the, the the contact rates and things like that that they have access to because there's no there's no evaluation group or there's no publication that has a better relationship with teams than Baseball America. And it's because they they're they're pros pros and they they're boots on the ground. Yeah, they're awesome. They're and they, they put people in front offices left and right. Yeah. Boots on the ground. And, you know, Baseball America does rely a lot on what they the information they get from from teams and i'm sure they loved all of the back end data that they got on soderstrom it makes sense uh but yeah again the 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 catching thing is going to make a big difference because if he's an average catcher with his offensive profile he's a top 20 prospect by year's end if he's more of a first baseman uh he's probably going to stay in that back end 30s early 40s range for us and i think that's really what it boils down to is the glove because even though he's off to a slow start offensively do you have any real concerns about the bat for a 20 year old in high A? I don't know. Again, the strikeout stuff, like I'm worried that when he sees better pitching, um, you know, like if he starts to hit really well in high A and goes up to double A, I'm worried that he's going to strike out a billion times. Um, but mm-hmm. he is ahead of schedule. Exactly. Like he, he's a young he, 20. He could repeat, you know, he could repeat at, at either this level or next level. And it's totally fine. Uh, he'll still be 20 by the time the season's over. So yeah, not worried about that uh, in terms of his long-term outlook. But yeah, you know, it, he could be a year slower than we initially thought after what was a phenomenal year last year. You know, a, yeah. a guy that might be a year slower too is Bryson Stott. You know, I, I was really hoping to see him make an impact at the big league level this year. Uh, and it just hasn't quite been there for him at the big league level. The difference for Stott is 
you know, I think if he's with the Royals or if he's with some of these other teams, he's going to be allowed to go out there and struggle and, you know, go out there and just the team can endure what is a lack of production. The Phillies can't endure that. The Phillies need to win. Uh, They're trying to fight for the division. Uh, It's probably not going to happen, but they know that the season can get away from them quickly. And uh, Bryson Stott just wasn't great through nine games. Uh, He he was pretty poor, Uh, but already in triple a he's been fantastic again. Uh, I I don't think that he has anything left to prove in the minors, but if he can work through some things and, and get back to the bigs, that's fine. Right now, the Phillies are kind of covered with some veterans uh, that are doing it, but I really like Bryson Stott. I'm a huge fan of his, and a, a slow nine games at the AAA level or at the big league level is not going to throw me off from that. Uh, but I was surprised to see him get demoted so quickly. Um, I wasn't because I think the Phillies are pressing right They're now. Pressing. Um, and yeah, right. And you can see it with Bohm. <laughs> um, you know, you, you saw it with his lash out for a moment. Uh, it, listen. He's going to be better than Didi Gregorius by the end of the year. Yeah. Promise you that. So he, he's going to be the shortstop for the Philadelphia Phillies by the end of the year. Um, you know, could it be a Kelnick thing? Kelnick's struggles were a little bit more drawn out at the end of last year. And then he went down to Tacoma. He raked. He came up and he was better. Stott got that first taste. It was really cold outside in the NL East. Um, and Stott threw nine games. You mentioned he, he really stunk. Four for 30. He had one walk in 31 plate appearances. So yes. this guy was, you know, he and he's was a walker. Pressing. He's a walker. He was pressing much like the rest of that lineup. And once the rest of that lineup either figures it out or doesn't, if they don't, then there's less pressure on Stott when he comes up, he's going to come up and join a team that, you know, is so far gone, right? Like the, the Mets are going to run away and then Atlanta is going to be there too. And you're fighting with Miami for third in the division. And that's probably not good enough with a really good NL West to get you a wild card spot. Um, so we'll see what the Phillies are doing or, you know, they all hit their stride and Stott enters good vibes in the clubhouse and maybe that helps him. So I, I don't think that the second go around, can be worse than the first go around. And I actually think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. And, and again, right. Like when you have the ability to struggle and not feel the pressure, like torque torque, I've not worried about whatsoever. Right. Because he can just go out there, struggle, feel it out and get going. Stott, you're in a lineup with Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, JT real Muto. And you're just, you're right in there. Right. And it's yeah. like, all right, we need you to hit now, now. Like we need yeah. you to perform for us, right? You need to prove to us that you're better than DD Gregorius or Alec Bohm right now. Do it now. <laughs> like that's a lot. I, I can't right. imagine that pressure. And you only got nine games to do it. Uh, you know, so 31 plate appearances is nothing. Uh, and again, if, if he went back to AAA and stunk, I'd be like, okay, whatever. He's already been, been good through the first six games, already heating up again. I love the bat to ball. To me, I think he's an extremely safe prospect. It's above average. It's 50 to 55 across the freaking board, uh, yeah. 50 to 55 in every department. He's a 55 hitter. He's a 55 runner, 50 power, uh, 50 to 55 defender. It's just balanced across the board, above average across the board with all of the intangibles you need and a left-handed bat. I, I just love that. And, and it'll play well in Philadelphia too. Uh, his power will play up to 20 plus in Philadelphia. No problem. Hundred um, percent. You have a forty-five uh, present, fifty future on his field. I think he's a fifty to fifty-five guy in the field. I think he is a smooth defender. Where are your worries there? Uh, honestly, I, I just wanted to see more. 
Um, you know, I, I, I like him a lot at short. I, I, I like, I, I think again, it's, it's more of the, I was thinking in terms of a big leaguer, right? Like he's an above average minor league shortstop. I'm looking at the big league shortstops across, across the game. And I'm just like, they're all he's above better, average. He's better. He's better. Right. They're all yeah. above average defensively, but then what's average, you know, like, so that right. that's where I'm at. I think for sure. He's, he's a, an average defender right away. And I think that's the thing that we forget is like 45 is big league average. Like that's what that's supposed to be, right? Is like big league average. I think he can be slightly above big league average, but maybe he can be better than that. Um, I, I think there's there could be 55 in there. I'll tell you what, if he's playing second or third, I'm in on a 55 uh, defensively. And I guess that's where we can get into the philosophical side of things, Jack. I'm curious what your thoughts are of this. Even yeah. if he's an average shortstop, but has the capability of playing third and second at an above average clip. Does that make his overall field tool closer to a 55? Yes. Or can most shortstops also do that? Oh yeah. It's a really interesting philosophical side of it too, but all that to say, he's an, he's an above average defender. Yeah. So very I, when average. I think, when I think field tool, I think, you know, y- you do it really well. And, you know, if you're pigeonholed into a corner, um, you know, I think that guy should get a slightly lower grade versus, you know, the, the same type of talent in the corner, but also can hop in center in a pinch. You know what I mean? Like Stott, I think he can be an above average defensive shortstop. And then I think he could be an average defensive second baseman and third baseman. And I exactly. think that adds just a couple of points to him. It has to, it has to. So yeah, it's right on the brink of 55, but again, it, it's amazing how, how he's just, there's not really a hole to poke in his game. Um, and, and that's what I love about, about Stott is you're going to really struggle to find an issue with him. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Like, so I saw him on the Cape before he went to Team USA for a little bit. He was in Wareham with Andrew Vaughn, by the way, um, who was absolutely raking out on the Cape. And Stott, I was more impressed with Stott than I was Vaughn because Vaughn was like, you know, your classic power guy. Yeah, he made some loud contact, but Stott made loud contact. It was a super smooth stroke at the plate. Yeah. So it's just a um, classic pretty lefty swing. Yeah, exactly. And more advanced analytics. He's got, you know, long flowing hair. He looks like a true shortstop. He's got that Dansby Swanson Jr. type feel, but uh, a lot more talent. Yeah, no, really. He does have, I think he does have more talent too. Better bat to ball, better ath- athlete all around. Um, and, you know, again, Dansby was a guy that was kind of, 45 to 55 as he progressed through the minors with the glove and it was really turned into a good defender. And that's the thing with Stott with access to big league resources kind of could level up to that, to that closer to 55 defender at short, but he's definitely more than capable at the position. Uh, and maybe one of my favorite left-handed swings in the minors is, is the next guy up. Yeah. Zach freaking Veen, who's heating up by the way, Jack, he's heating up. Uh, and a guy that look, he was phenomenal last year, but I think everybody put these crazy expectations on him as like, Oh, this is the best prep bat. Right. That was the, that was the one big thing that I think we kept hearing best prep bat in the class, like highest upside prep bat in the class. Uh, And so everyone just started really group thinking him into this elite, elite, elite prospect. He's an elite prospect, but he was being put up to this insane expectation of being, I think everyone expected him to be like Jordan Walker was out of the gate. Uh, And so when he hit three Oh one, with a 400 on base percentage and 15 home runs with a 26% K rate and low A as a 19 year old, somehow that did not improve his overall perception. Uh, 
he goes into high A this year, which uh, again, I can't emphasize enough is a huge jump for a high school guy. And K rates at 29%, which is fine for, for a young guy sitting 286. He's getting on base at a 420 clip. And again, he just continues to walk. Uh, he continues to pulverize baseballs and mistakes. Uh, only one home run, yet the production that we have to me is extremely encouraging. Six doubles. He swiped 36 bags last year. He's already swiped nine this year. He's only been caught once. Veen's a fun freaking player, man. And he's got as much superstar upside as, as anybody we're going to talk about. Yeah, so I think he's going to rise. I think midseason we're talking about Veen as a top 25, maybe even top 20 guy. Um, and I, I think Veen, as he gets the higher levels of minor league baseball, is going to be a top 10 prospect in baseball. I, I am, I'm higher on Veen than I think pretty much anybody that we're going to talk about this episode and maybe next episode too. Um, I, I'm curious though, because preseason, I'm looking at Baseball America pipeline and baseball prospectus. Um, America has him at 22. Pipeline has him at 36. Prospectus has him at 25. Okay. So we are the lowest of those four. Um, I understand that you got to see more, but let me pitch you on Veen because in 125 career minor league games to this point as a 19 year old and a 20 year old, more than two years younger than the league average hitter at both those stops, low A and high A, this guy has a 299, 402, 488 slash line. I think he is a 300, 400, 500 slash line hitter. You see 300 batting average. I do. I'll make the argument in your defense of that too in a second, but continue. Yeah. I, I see a 300 batting average. I see his ability to possibly lead the league in doubles. This guy can be a doubles machine. He's oh, in, in course. Oh my God. Yeah. Doubles and triples. He might lead the league in triples. I think this guy is a little less batting average than Charlie Blackman, but more power oh, and yeah. a better defender. I think this guy is the closest thing that, Coors is going to get to cargo and, and he's more dynamic than cargo. Like I, cargo cargo is like, of course you're going to be thrilled to get the offensive output that cargo gave you, you know, at, at his peak, but Veen in terms of his speed, like I, like, I don't think people realize how fast Zach Veen is. Like yeah. it's, it's plus speed. Thanks to he's six, four, one ninety. He has these long limbs and it's, it's three steps to first as we were talking about with, with Ellie De La Cruz. It's similar extremely, extremely fast. And, and we're seeing him kind of translate that into game speed in a lot of different ways. Uh, uh, he could play center in a pinch, but you know, he, he's just his, his reads and his first step is not quite as quick. Uh, and, and I think it's more of a corner for him, but as with a guy with his speed and his arm as, as a corner outfielder, he could be a plus defender out there as well. So you're getting a lot of value. 162 game average for cargo over his 12 year career, 10 of which were spent in Colorado. This guy was 285, 343, 500. That's an 843 OPS. I think Veen is better than Cargo in the batting average department, but let's be conservative and say that he's 285. Fair? Yeah. 343, Veen's going to be better than that in the OBP department. This guy yep. walks all the time. Walks a ton. And then slugging 500, I think he's right there. So I think we're looking at a 900 OPS guy. Cargo averaged 28 bombs, 92 driven in, 14 bags. Veen is more bags. Maybe five fewer bombs, 23, but same number of driven in. So I was going to say, you, so Veen, because Veen's a, a, again, a speed guy. And that's kind of the trend of this episode, right? Is uh, he's, he's okay with putting it on the ground sometimes, yeah. especially if he's behind an account where cargo, like it was lift, it was yeah. lift. 
and, you know, elevate and celebrate. Like, and that's what he did. And that's what made him so good. Uh, but like Veen doesn't need to do that. He can shoot it the other way, as you mentioned, have the ball die in the gap. And he's on, on second with a hustle double. And, and that's something that cargo just, just a level to his game that, that, that cargo didn't have uh, cargo is a more pure bat to ball guy, I think, but Veen's swing decisions will help him. He doesn't chase. Um, and another guy that again, has some zone miss, which we talked yeah. about that on the just baseball show, actually, uh, how, just because you have zone miss doesn't mean you can't be a plus hit tool guy, because right. if you don't chase at all, like Mike Trout has some zone miss, but if you look at his swing percentage, he doesn't swing at anything at the top of the zone. That's a borderline ball. And he doesn't expand the zone in a lot of ways that he knows is, is going to, you know, result in weak contact or swing and a miss. Veen is kind of the same thing. He's not going to chase egregiously. He's not going to chase really much at all. And yeah, he'll swing and miss in the zone sometimes, but he's going to have such great quality of contact that it won't matter. And he's still going to put up good batting average numbers because he's not going to, you know, help the pitcher out in any way. I, I think Veen's going to be a stud. And, and what really stands out to me with him, you know, and a reason why I could definitely agree with you that we, we could have bumped Veen up a little bit higher. Um, I was really the, the, and I always like to be transparent about it. I was a little bit worried about, about the, the ability to, to hit at high A. I thought there was going to be a little bit more swing and miss. I really did. Um, I, and that, that one I'll wear. I, I thought there would be more swing and miss. I looked at his swing. Um, I saw the zone, the zone contact numbers. And I said, he's going to have to be damn great with his plate discipline at the high A level as a 20 year old. And guess what? He's been damn great. So I did not expect this kind of plate discipline from him. And a hundred percent, we could have put him higher. I'll, I'll yeah. wear that one. That, that one's me. Um, but I'm, I'm so pumped to see him off to the start. He's on because I think he'll be one of the more fun young players in baseball to watch. Um, and it's not like we got him at like 80, but we definitely could, we could jump him up a little bit. And that's a guy by the midseason update top twenties within reach. I am thinking about the offense right now in Colorado, because they just extended Ryan McMahon. You've got Connor Joe. I mean, Joe is in what his second year of ball. Like he's got five years. I love that. Goal. That's the first two names you mentioned. Well, yeah, but they, they signed Chris Bryant to that massive extension, obviously too. Like so you've got KB McMahon, Connor Joe and Zach Veen in two years joining the fold. Like uh, I, that's that again, offense, I, I, I was wrong on the ETA. Like I, he's way more advanced than I thought he'd be. There we go, man. Um, by the way, before we move on, Mets just DFA'd Robbie Cano. Thank you. That needed to be done. There that we go. Um, that needed to be done. That's I, eating money. Yeah, they, they were just wasting their time there. Um, I know we were holding off to talk about that on the Just Baseball show. I, very much looking forward to talking about that. Take a page from the Angels book. The roster spot's too, too valuable. Yes. Take the loss on the money, especially with Uncle Steve. Uh, and, and, you know, utilize that roster spot. I was at the game yesterday and, and Dom Smith is going off with four hits. Like that's a guy that you put in the right spots. He's going to, he's going to hit really well for you way better than what Robbie Cano is going to give you. So that that's cool to see. Um, I'm, I'm glad they're going with, with the youth there and they want to win now. Um, w- one last note on, on Veen. And yeah. the reason why I, again, more confidence in the hit tool, you look at Veen and doesn't he just scream, guy that would struggle against lefties, long limbs, you know, powerful yes. swing. He doesn't, he doesn't struggle against lefties. He, he had much less power last year, but he was so solid, 
right? He, he spin on a lot of pitches. He, he walked more left on left. So he was looking like pigeonholing for certain pitches. And if he didn't get it, he'd take the walk. 304, 389, 535 last year against righties. 289, 434, 374 against lefties. So more of the bat to ball focus left on left. But if you've got a guy with his speed that isn't a liability left on left, and you can justify keeping him in the lineup, which I think you can with a 434 on base. Who cares if you're giving up power? He's a guy that you can keep in the lineup every day and won't be a disaster left on left. So, so far this year, Veen against lefties is eight for 18, and his only bomb of the year has come left on left. Oh, there you go. There you go. And, and don't forget, I mean, there's some really good left-handed pitchers in, in his league, including... I don't know if they, I think they would have fa- squared off by now, but Kyle Harrison. Um, yeah, so I would he, assume so. He's facing some tough lefties out there too. So uh, Spokane also has a, has a pretty good team. Some Spokane, pretty, man. Spokane. Why? What's the point of the E at the end if it's Spokane? It's Spokane. That's where, uh, that's where Gonzaga is, Spokane. Okay. On, I, yeah. There's an E. I believe you because like, it's your job to know that, but there's an yeah. E in there. It's Spokane is a very, very fair. I feel like pronunciation there. I understand. I'll hey, wear Zach. Think- I'll wear Zach Veen being too low. I'm 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 going to, I'm going to just say it should be Spokane. You think Veen and Chet would be boys if they're both in Spokane right now? I mean, they kind of look, they kind of look like they have the same vibe to them. Very like relaxed, uh, uh, almost just roll off the shoulder type. I could see. Yeah. That. So we, we saw Chet Holmgren's dad still uses a camcorder to film all the games from the stands. That I feel like so that's cool. what Veen's dad does too. <laughs> right. Cause Veen's got the long hair and the mustache. I feel like that is Zach Veen's dad. He's the type of like camcorder in the stands. Like, Hey, we're going to watch this back and, and dissect the film. And he'll say, dad, I've got track, man. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Dad, we don't, we don't need the old camcorders. Uh, well, you know, it's crazy. A guy, a guy that's been featured everywhere uh, on video with his slider. It's a guy that checks in for us and someone that we've been talking about for, for so freaking long, dude. Um, yeah. And someone that I know we, we, we have been breaking down for a little while back and it's, it's Matt Brash. He comes in at, at 37 right-handed pitching prospects with the Seattle Mariners and like Brash. I'm glad to see him up at the big league level. I, I figured there would be some, some challenges given that his best pitch is a pitch that is extremely difficult to locate for a strike. Um, he's shown us yep. really good flashes. He's also shown us a lot of walks and uh, a lot of K's in the minor league level, not as many K's thus far at the big league level, although in certain spots you can see a ton of swing and miss. And this is a guy that in his first start made Tim Anderson, uh, you know, look really uncomfortable, made Jose Abreu look really uncomfortable, made some of the better hitters in baseball look very uncomfortable. Uh, but again, the league adjusts to you a little bit. And I think they know you spin on the slider right now. It's tough for him to beat you, but I'm focusing on the positives low two ZRA in the minor leagues in his career pitched his way to a big league debut with a hundred innings under his belt professionally uh, as a guy that was drafted in the fourth round out of Niagara. It, it's really impressive to, to, to see where Matt Brash has gotten. And I, I guess to tee up, are you concerned of uh, through 17 innings for Matt Brash at all? Uh, no, I'm not. Do I think that he is going to have a career long effort of, um, you know, at points failing to throw strikes. I do. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how much better the command gets, but the thing is 
if it's anywhere close to the strike zone, he's Cy Young. <laughs> it's yeah, it's ridiculous. Like the stuff is is never before seen. And um, I, I love it because Savant and pitcher list and fan graphs, like they fail to identify which pitch is the curveball and which pitch is the slider. Cause mm-hmm. he's got two breaking pitches that look pretty much identical. They're the same speed. Um, you know, they, they've got similar spin. One is a lot more vertical and looks like a hammer of a knuckle curve and the other, but even though it's high spin, like it, it's got knuckle curve type movement where it's more down. Um, and then the other is like a hard slider that has more horizontal movement that I've ever seen before in my life. Oh so, my yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those, like he has disgusting setup man stuff and he can go six innings question is always going to be, can he throw strikes? And I think he's going to be near the top of the league and walks uh, pretty much whenever he throws a full season, but he's also going to be near the top of the league in strikeouts. And, and that sounds like Lance McCullers, right? Yeah, I, I think I think Brash and Lance McCullers are very similar. It's very similar. And as he commands that slider and curveball better, he can lean on him more. My only concern is this, and, and he can get away with it because of how good the breaking balls are. But I love having – you need that third speed. And even the changeup is the same speed as the curveball is the same speed as the slider. Those are both 82 to 84, and then he has the fastball. So, you know, I think right now guys are facing Brash. They know he has the command struggles. Anything with spin, they're spitting on. They're just let, taking it. You're sitting dead red for the fastball, which is a good fastball, but right now it's not playing up as well because guys are sitting for it. Because, again, if Matt Brash locates three of his breaking balls, which break more than the strike zone, so that's extremely challenging, uh, yeah. I'll tip my cap and walk back to the dugout. Yes. Uh, if he doesn't throw me a fastball and he locates three breaking balls, I'll tip my cap and walk back to the dugout. I'll take an 0 for 4, golden sombrero, if he does that 12 times. The thing is, is he's not going to, um, right. and you jump on that fastball and right now that's what's happening. And opponents are hitting 318 with us with a 455 slugging against that heater. He's still getting whiffs on it because again, when, when he's sequencing, right, when it's fastball, then slider that devastates you or slider that sets up, then back to the fastball elevated to whiff, he's getting 26% whiff rate, 15% put away percentage, which is great for a fastball. Yeah. It's just right now. Guys are guys can sit on the heater and dare him to locate the breaking ball, and he just can't locate it at this point. But to your point, his slider breaks at a higher speed and more than I think any slider we've seen in the stat cast era, uh, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Which again, it makes it hard to spot, but makes it impossible to hit. So Eno Saris, who's a writer for the Athletic. He's got this metric called Stuff Plus, and he tweeted right after Brash made his debut um, in Chicago against the White Sox. He said, through one start, Matt Brash leads Major League Baseball in Stuff Plus, and that's just on you know vertical, horizontal break in relation to speed. Um, this guy, and, and we're talking bad about him because, yeah, he's walked 13 guys in 17 innings. He's got, what, a 17% walk rate. It feels like, you know, we're, we're not talking about a, a top 40 prospect in baseball, but the reason we're talking about a top 40 prospect in baseball is because his breaking pitches are literally something that has never been done before. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Um, and I, I would say the only similarity is, is McCullers and, and McCullers, yeah. you know, people always said, oh, you can't lean on a breaking ball this much. And McCullers yeah, said, oh yeah, come watch. And in the world series, come watch. Lizardo. Same thing. I think the mentality for Jesus Lizardo of, 
you can't lean on a breaking ball this much resulted in him leaning on the fastball more. And Jesus Lazardo's fastball got hit pretty well. Uh, he's throwing the curveball more than any other pitch. And it's, he actually told us on the just baseball show, he calls it a slider, but it goes into Savant as a curveball. Uh, he throws that breaking ball more than ever before right now. And now that he's commanding it better, because his problem too is it was breaking out of the strike zone. He's commanding yeah. it better. He's throwing the, the, the breaking ball more than any other pitch. Uh, so it's okay. We're seeing that that's okay in today's game. Uh, but again, you, you got to find the feel for it. And, and he will, he will. And I think that's why we're focusing. Cause we could just sit here and be like, he's so nasty. He's so nasty. You know, that already, uh, right. everybody that's listening to this knows that already. Yeah, he's you've 37. Seen Twitter, because, you've, you've seen pitching ninja on Twitter, cut up yeah, all the stuff. I, I could sit here and clap like a seal. I'm extremely excited about Matt Brash. I've, that's someone I've been talking about forever, uh, but you know, it might be rough for the first year. It might be. It was rough for Trevor Rogers for the first year. It was rough for a lot of phenomenal pitchers who are stuff over command for the Cease. first year. It was horrible for Cease, right? Giolito had a learning curve. Uh, not worried about Brash in the slightest, but I will say there will be a level at which if, if he is not pitching to the caliber that, you know, they're hoping, you might have to bump him from the rotation, at least just for this year as much as I want to see him develop, the Mariners are trying to make the playoffs. So it will be interesting, but yeah. he would thrive in a, in a short relief role. Um, and then, you know, you, you run it back next year and continue to develop that command because you can develop command in a short relief role. And honestly, it saves some bullets for a guy that did have some injury history. So we'll see how it goes, but I, I want to see a few more starts before we even get there. Brash has a chance to be one of the more lights out middle rotation guys in baseball. Yeah, 100%. And one more thing before we move off from Brash, something that is super encouraging right now, but opponents are putting balls in play 61% ground ball rate. They are. How, how are you going to hit him? How are you going to hit his breaking ball in the air? I, you can't. You, you can't. can't. So that's the thing. If he develops better command of the breaking pitches, it's going to be like Lizardo, where nobody's hitting him well. That's the thing. Like, I don't think you can they hang can beat on themselves. that slider. Right. You can beat themselves. Like, I don't think anybody looks at Brash's slider and says, oh, yeah, let me just sit on my back yeah. hip and then I'll send this thing to the moon if I time it up correctly. Yeah. How'd you, beat Matt, how'd you beat Matt Brash? I was cheating for the slider. Yeah. No. no. He, he could tell you. He could say it's common. And, yeah. and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, it, it's just one of those pitches. Uh, a guy that could probably and I'm, I'm just going to keep doing this, by the way, every single time with cheesy transitions. Yeah. Perfect. A guy. A, yeah. A, a guy that could probably benefit from being told what's coming right now is Nick York. Um, <laughs> he's off to a slow start, uh, but I'm not worried about him in the slightest. And, and we'll talk about that. But the power is not there. Um, for Nick York in the early going. And this is his second stint in high A, which makes it interesting because typically you can draw to, to uh, a start and go, oh, well, he was great in low A last year. He's struggling to get acclimated in high A. Nick York was phenomenal in low A. He was better in high A than he was in low A in uh, a lot of ways, a little bit more swing and miss, but a little bit more power. Last year in his 21 games at the high A level, he slashed 333, 406, 571. It's a 158 WRC plus, 11.5% walk rate, 23% K rate, four home runs. 14 home runs on the season in 97 games. He was phenomenal. Um, great bat to ball. Really interesting power that we haven't seen make its way into uh, his performance so far through 15 games. Not really worried. He's still not striking out much. He's still walking. He's going to be just fine. Uh, and I love Nick York's swing. I love his ability to tap into power, especially to his pull side. And I am a, just a big Nick York fan. 
Yeah. I mean, if he's, if he's struggling as badly as you're making him out to be struggling and we're talking about a guy that's hitting 262 with 360 OBP through 15 games. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that being his struggles in high A. I'm totally cool with it. as a 20 yeah. year old. I'm cool with that. Exactly. Right. Like that, that's, that's the problem. It's the 311 slug really, because what I really celebrated from York um, is, is the ability to tap into game power. And, and yeah. we saw that last year, um, especially again to the pole side where, his bat is so quick it, and it's, it's really easy lift from him and, and it's low effort. Cause you look at a guy that's six foot, 200 pounds. And I, I look at him and I'm like, okay, this guy might need a bit of a leg kick or a high effort swing or cheap pull side or do some of these things to tap into power. He's quiet. It's simple. It's an upright stance, uh, a very quiet load, a short toe tap. And, and he just unleashes and it's an easy move to time up. It's part of the reason why I'm always going to believe in the, in the hit tool. Uh, but what really floors me is with such a quiet move. I mean, you look at his lower half, it looks like he barely even really gets into it, but he does. And then all of a sudden he's unloading on a baseball and hitting at 400 feet. It's really effortless power. That's just stems from ridiculous bat speed, Jack. It's really impressive. Yeah, no, it's super impressive. And my thing about York, you know, we've got him higher than, any other publication except for Baseball America. Yeah. Um, my, my thing about York is like, he's got some feel to hit there. And, and I, I love that. Um, and you've got him, what, what do you have his hit tool graded at? 50 with a, with a 60 future. I think that's yeah. perfect. Yeah. I think this guy can turn into one of the better pure hitters in baseball if he, if he realizes his true potential. I think this is a guy that can be flirting with 300 at some point in his big league career. A hundred percent. And he's going to pepper the monster, man. Like here's, here's my thing with York is he, he has a little bit. I talk about how simple everything is getting nerdy about swings for a second. He's a little bit of a, a guy that I think is, is driven by, you know, hands bat to ball, which is a Liberty to have because most, you know, most people really have to be focused on, on their lower half, but whole leak open a little bit and the battle drag a tad. And if you look like he doesn't go pull side too often, unless he catches it out front and he is phenomenal adept at going the other way, but I want to see him kind of kind of turn on some line drives a bit more. And I think that's what we're seeing now is teams are busting him inside. And, and there's a little bit of this front side leak that causes him to get you know jammed up on a little bit. And he's got such good bat speed. He can fight through it and hit your soft, you know, soft inside out swings for a base hit. Uh, yeah. But this was a guy that was punishing mistakes. He would pull, you know, a slider that was tailing away and still be able to put it over the wall, pull side, you know, in left field. Pitchers are adjusting to him a little bit. Um, and, and I'm not worried about him. He's he's hit some moonshots, you know, 108, 110 miles an hour to his pull side. Uh, but there's definitely a little bit of that blue zone middle in right now um, and, and hard stuff in. Uh, is the challenge with how simple his, his load and his swing is. It seems like he's just really a small tweak away from, from unlocking it all. Um, but this is the classic adjusting to how the league adjusts to you. And I think he's going to be just fine because his swing really is just so simple. And, and the feel for, for lift and backspin is just, is just so, so effortless for him. Okay. So um, I don't think there's a better American league park to hit triples in than Fenway park. Um, and I want to make a bet with you within the first five years of Nick York being up at the big league level, he leads the American league in triples. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, Cause he goes right center so well. Yeah, and he can go thing, down the right field part. line so well. The right center, you've got the triangle out there that is triples galore. And then you can also hit line drives down the right field line that wrap around Pesky's pole. And that can be a triple, right? They, they just kind of camera on the wall and then boom, all of a sudden it's 385 in straightaway right field. And the right fielder's got to get to that. And he's got totally. enough speed to get to third. Totally. No, I'm in on that. I'm in on that. Because again, he, he if you try to to throw breaking stuff away from him, he's just going to drop the head on that so well. Yeah. The way he drops the, the barrel, it, it's really impressive, the feel for it. Again, it, it, if your issue is pull side, that's something that you can learn. You can fire. I, I was, again, I was just talking about this with, with actually Griffin Conine, because as you know, like that, that's someone who all the power in the world uh, strikeouts were the issue. And he came into this year and he's like, I want to be a hitter. I don't want to just be a power guy and started slow. And now over his last 12 games, striking out 25% of the time, guess where everything's going the other way. And he's like, I'm covered. I feel like I have my plate coverage. I'm comfortable, but now I just need to fire up the machine and prove to myself that I can turn around 95 inside. And that's picking your spots one and it's reactionary two. but like, the hardest part is is feeling like you have the plate coverage the other way. And for York to already have that, uh, it, it took Griffin striking out 40% of the time to realize, hey, I need to be able to cover that stuff breaking away from me and be able to stay back and, and back hip everything. And then I'll figure out reacting on the inside stuff. Uh, York has that down. And I mean, a lot of guys, it takes years to really get that down. And, and I think if you're, if you've got the plate coverage the other way, if you've got the ability to stay back on breaking balls and punish them the other way, uh, you're going to figure out how to turn on stuff on a middle end. And I'm not too worried about that because, because York swing is extremely simple. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, no, I, I think York has, yeah. And I, I think Heim Bloom has made it very obvious that Xander Bogarts is not the plan. Uh, um, so Trevor Story can transition to third. I think Nick York sooner rather than later is going to be the second baseman for the Boston Red Sox. I'd say all-star break next year if York looks ready, because I think he's going to get up to double A this year. I think he's going to get over this, this slow start in high A. I think he's going to get to double A. And then I think he's going to open in Worcester next year. Um, I think, you know, by the all-star break, very latest September call-up next year, I think he's the second baseman. And then I think in, in 2024, it's Trevor Story at short and it's uh, Nick York at second. I love it. I love it. And, and I'm all in on York. Do uh, you? I would prefer Bogarts. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I love any younger, young and getting opportunity. The right side of the infield being Nick York and Tristan Casas just gets me giddy. No, man. I heard they love Bobby Dalbeck. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. 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 Bobby Dalbeck with a K. Uh, no, I, I, okay. Of course, Bogarts is, is as complete of a hitter as you're going to get, but screw it. I'm, I, I've leaned prospects at all times and uh, you got to trust Heim Bloom though, right? Yeah. So, got to trust yeah, him. Got to trust him. Blind trust in Heim Bloom. Uh, no, but I think York's going to be a great player. And, and honestly, I think that the ceiling to me is, is 285, 25, 20 to 25, great on base and solid D at second. Uh, I think the defense gets a little bit hated on. He's, he's more than fine at second base. I, and I, I like what I've seen from him in terms of the actions and, and, and range there. Yeah, 100%. Next guy. Don't, we won't spend too much time because it's, it's still relatively young in his professional career, but 
Number one overall pick, man. The number one overall pick. You can say what you want, under slot, whatever. I think he was good enough to go 1-1. I know we all do, uh, just baseball. Yourself, me included, uh, or Peter included. Like, we all were like, hell, I would have given him slot value number one. Like, we, we've we all been in on, on Henry Davis. He's off to a great start uh, in, in his professional career in a lot of ways. And a, a very unorthodox swing. Uh, and it was, it was one that for, it took me a little bit to, to get it almost a, a used to, to, to imagine how that was going to work at the big league level or, or even at the professional level. Uh, I, I know some have used the term like divisive swing. There's nothing divisive about hitting 323 through 18 games. There's nothing divisive about putting up better offensive numbers for a catcher than Joey Bart, um, really putting up the best offensive numbers for a catcher since uh, Adley Rutschman. Uh, there's nothing divisive about that. There gets to a certain point, and I talked about this with Joey Weimer. There gets to a certain point where you have to just focus on the results. You have to focus on the fact that there's no specific way that he's getting blown up. You know, if there was a scouting report and just pitchers aren't able to execute that yet, then then I'd say, okay, like, oh, there's a huge hole in his swing. Uh, just pitchers are, are not really exploiting it. That ain't the case with with Henry Davis. That ain't the case with Joey Weimer. Um, and and it can only be divisive if it doesn't work or if there's inconsistency and. Henry Davis has been nothing but consistent since starting his professional career and through 18 games in high a sitting 323 with three jacks. Uh, and he's only struck out 21% of the time. The glove is going to be interesting because the arm is phenomenal. It's, it's yeah. off the charts. The arm's but, insane, but the actions are inconsistent. Um, his fluidity is a bit inconsistent. His receiving is a bit inconsistent and he's only thrown out one batter or one base dealer in uh, 14 attempts. So that's something to follow. He's got all the tools behind the dish. Uh, but again, the, the bat is just is just so valuable here for, for a guy that has insane raw power and a good field to hit. No, it, it's stupid. Um, 109 college games at Louisville over three years. This guy hit 337 with an OPS, a point over 1,000. And in 109 college games, he had 21 bombs and 84 driven in. Those numbers are stupid. Um, and then he comes to minor league ball. He had eight games of minor league ball in 2021. And then he's got 18 so far this year, 26 minor league games. The guy's hitting 320 with an OPS north of a thousand. Six slugging over 600. He's got 11 walks and 27 punch outs. And in three years of college ball, he had 52 walks, 46 punch outs. He is, um, you know, his calling card was, this is a do it all guy. This is a strong catcher with a hose of an arm and, you know, he can hit for power and all that stuff. There's legitimately not a hole in his offensive game. No, no. And talking about a guy, he's short to the ball. I think it's really the load and in, in the way he looks it's, that threw people off a little bit, but it's more of a rhythm and timing thing. He doesn't move. And also, you know, I was looking at his, his lower half with his swing. He's able to do things. And I talk about like swing malleability, which is just like, getting your a and your b swings off and like what your body allows you to do he will take some swings where his lower half like the adjustability of his lower half is really impressive like, like he's getting the pitches where he's not even rotating he's throwing the hands at it and it's like how did he not tear a, a quad with this yeah. swing um and and he gets it off like he's a phenomenal phenomenal athlete which is why i think he's going to be great behind the dish long term uh but also that adjustability is evident in the box he has a small leg kick that really is kind of bringing it over from a slightly open stance. He repeats that really well. It's all in rhythm with, with his hand load that I like because he times it up and repeats it a lot. He uses the whole field. Well, he lets the ball travel and he's direct to the baseball. He's a guy that's really geared for line drives. 
uh, and will hit the home runs because he just hit the ball too damn hard. Like that's how Henry Davis looks to me. He's not somebody that's hitting moonshot home runs. It's line drives that keep going because that's the way his swing is geared. And he's just really tough to beat. Uh, he's just really all around difficult to, to get out because his swing is kind of conducive to being able to connect with anything. He's pulverized fastballs, Jack, so far this year. He's 13 for 28 against fastballs this year. There we go. There we go. And, and he hasn't been bad against breaking balls either, but it just, he can get to anything. Yeah, no, I, he is, he's as adjustable a hitter as I've seen too. And, and like that, that has to do with his physique. I mean, you've seen him. He's a very strong human being and he's got those quick twitch fibers. He can get to breaking pitches. He can adjust mid swing. Um, I, I think he's going to be a really good big league catcher. My question is receiving, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is he, is he going to get a lot better at handling a pitching staff and, um, we'll see what the adjustments are like. He's, he's outperforming high a at the moment. I think when he gets up to double a, it's going to take a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked if he finishes the year in double a, but I because think of the, glove, a- the glove adjustment too. Right. And, and I always, I always go back to Dingler who lit yes. up high a and then gets up to double a. And it's like, this is a big adjustment on both sides of the baseball, um, particularly and- defensive for catchers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Offense comes second. I mean, when we had Anthony Moron on the podcast and I know he's not a top 100 prospect, but he knows he needs to hit. And he goes, I know I need to hit, but most of my time mentally is spent on preparing our pitchers for who they're going to face, uh, preparing our pitchers to call the best pitches for them. And so preparing for our pitchers and, and also working on my defense. Like I, you only have so much time in the day and so much bandwidth to then focus on offense as well. <laughs> There's only so much time for these catchers to do that. But uh, no, I, I'm, I'm really excited about Davis and another guy that even if it doesn't work out behind the dish, the bat is top 100 caliber by itself. Uh, and, and that oh, yeah. is extremely valuable in its, in its own. If he was a DH, he'd be 80. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's wild. So let's get to now a, a final slew of pitchers. Oh, actually, we have one more position player in there, but three pitchers and a position player. We'll go a little bit quicker. We talk about where the industry has guys. Talk about one of the more, another one. We talk about divisiveness. That makes no sense to me. Max Meyer being divisive makes no sense to me um, or polarizing, I guess it would be like, what is polarizing about Max Meyer? Uh, what is polarizing about a guy who was drafted third overall, gets assigned straight to double A, pitches to a sub two ERA uh, in double A, and then comes out this year and does the same shit. What else do you need from Max Meyer of the Miami Marlins uh, to be convinced that he is, a top 50 prospect or even a top 100 prospect because we have seen him omitted in certain contexts. Well, you do this for a living. It's, it's your job to watch these guys. So, um, you know, you're watching all of his stuff too. Uh, this is the best slider in minor league baseball right now, I think. And he throws mid nineties. He is going to be, um, if he's in the bullpen, if his, you know, like, obviously this is a very crowded Marlins rotation right now. If he comes up in two weeks and he's the best swing man in baseball, so be it. I think he's going to be a really good starter at some point. Um, but you know, like I, if the Marlins chose to deploy Max Meyer in the sixth and seventh inning, when the starter can only go five, it, that's a bridge. That's a better bridge to the eighth inning than anybody in baseball at the moment. He's Christian Javier immediately. I think. Immediately. I, I like the slider will make him Christian Javier immediately, in my opinion. Yes. 
Uh, and and that's high praise because Javier is great. When I when I look at at Max Meyer though, I, I don't get the reliever risk. We just talked about Brash. We just talked about McCullers. Meyer has better command than both of those guys. Um, I'm not saying he's gonna be better than McCullers, but he has better command than Brash. Um, and already has mixed in a changeup more than he ever has. The slider is 70 grade big league now. Might even be you know one of the few breaking balls that we could push to 80. Uh, and I don't think that would be crazy, Jack. Uh, called swinging strike percentage is one of my favorite things to look at. Yeah. Big league average was about is about 27% um, for a called swinging strike rate. What do you think Max Myers has been in AAA on, on his slider? So you said 27% is big league average? Yeah, and you're not going to get like egregious, you know, outliers. You can only get such a high percentage of the pitches you throw being cold or swinging strikes. I mean, you still have to throw some balls. Uh, right. what, do you, what, what do you think his percentage is on that pitch? Which he throws, by the way, 31% of the time. But it's 35%. 44. Opponents, despite the fact that he throws this pitch more than a third of the time, have an OPS of 275 against Max Meyer's slide. What, what's the slash line? <laughs> the slash line, I don't have it in front of me. All I have I've is never the, heard an OPS below 300. Before. All I have like, is the OPS. So I would imagine it would be like it, there's four hits and 45 plate appearances. There we go. All, and they're all singles off Jesus. his slider. Jesus. Uh, and the fastball is playing up well too. You mentioned mid nineties. It's a flat fastball with the un, like not the best profile, but it's high spin. And he's eliminated some of the horizontal break to keep it more of that rising fastball. He's been ninety five to ninety seven this year. He's averaging ninety five point seven miles per hour in the fastball. The changeup is being used more than ever before. And Jack, we haven't even gotten to the numbers for this year yet. He just carved through a really solid in terms of like triple A solid team for the White Sox in, in AAA uh, that had Yoana Moncada, Yoan Moncada on the, um, you know, on the mend. Yeah. Dwight Smith Jr. Another like former, like, he had like four former big leaguers. I but see so, Charlotte next week. Yeah. Yeah. You'll see him. So, so far th- through his five AAA starts, 26 and a thirds innings, 171 ERA, 179 FIP, 11.28 Ks per nine, two walks per nine. And you talk about the roster crunch, Eliezer Hernandez can be the swing man. Go ahead, throw him in the swingman spot. Max Myers, your number five. I think the Marlins need it. I, I want people to remember. I think the Marlins are, will call him up in May, in the next two weeks. Uh, that, that's my prediction. There's no point in having him down there. Well, he's, he's just wasting bullets at this point. It's just, it's just boring for him. He's straight up bored. He carved through big leaguers in spring training. He's bored. He looked not not just carved through like carved through is very impressive. He made big leaguers look like idiots in big league spring training. Absolute, absolute idiots. Uh, so I, I'm I'm all the way in on Meyer. I think the reliever risk is stupid. I think not having him on the top 100 list is stupid. Um, and we have him at 34. Uh, and what's crazy is he's not even a top pitching prospect for the Marlins. Uh, we've already been going long, so we'll go a little bit quicker. Josh Young out for the season. So we won't spend too much time. Phenomenal year last year. Great. One of the more high floor guys you're going to find in the in this whole conversation, right? One of the more high floor guys you're going to find uh, in the top 100 list. Hit tool was always off the charts at Texas Tech, always off the charts. Uh, you could see the the burgeoning power from a 6'2", 215 guy, but he was a high ground ball rate guy, especially from the jump. Now he turned that hit tool 
uh, and bat to ball into more lift and went from somebody who had a ground ball rate of 47%, cut that down to 34% in his season last year. Also upped his home run to fly ball rate, meaning the percentage of balls in the air from 3% to 22%. Percentage of fly balls that are leaving the yard more than 10xing is always good news when in terms of power. And if you look at the numbers overall, Jack, last year, he, he was unconscious the whole season. I mean, no, he was stupid. 326, 398, 592. That's a 152 WRC plus 9% walk rate, 22% K rate. He is on the shelf for the season with a torn left labrum. Um, you know, probably won't play this year, but he's the third baseman of the future uh, in what's going to be a really fun infield very soon. Yeah, that's his left shoulder. Um, that's his lead shoulder um, as a righty bat. So I, I'm curious what that's going to be like. I think Fernando Tatis was dealing with that lead shoulder issue too. And you know, that'll, that'll pop quickly on you. If, if you're, you know, driving, I'm glad he took care of it. Season. Honestly, I'm glad he took care of it. Now is the time to do it. Yeah. Because that can, that can hinder you all year long. And like Fernando Tatis, obviously he's, he's different. Um, he's built different purple devil emoji, but Correct. Um, you know, like Tatis, the thing with him is he, you could see it at points. You could see it where like he would he go change his stretches. finish. You know, it's like finish. You want young messing with shit. He just connected. Like he just put it all together. Do you want him like tinkering with his swing to not be hurt? Like the Rangers stink. Young has proven everything he needs to prove. The second he's healthy, he'll do a few rehab games, and I think he could be he could crack. You know, the the early roster for you know the big leagues, right? I mean, like this guy's big league ready. He got better in Round Rock than he had than he was in Frisco last year in Frisco. He forty three games. He had a nine ten OPS. Then he goes up to Round Rock, 35 games. He has a 1088 OPS. So, like, there, there's no point to prove anything else. So, have him on the shelf, play a couple of games with Round Rock next year to open the year, and then he's, you know, the third baseman for the Texas Rangers on April 15th, 2023. Which will be super fun. Super, super fun. I can't wait for that infield. Um, that's going to be extremely fun infield. And, and I think that's a wrap-up on him real quick and, you know, obviously wish him a speedy recovery. Uh, 285, 290, 20 to 25 home runs, good on base and, and solid defensive third, right? I mean, he's a guy that he's probably never going to be a top five third baseman in the game, but he's always going to be a top 10 guy right in the back. He's the guy that you pencil into the back end of your top 10 third baseman, like every single year. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. Two names that I know you're going to be really excited to get through. Yeah. Jack Leiter at 32. Yuri Perez at 31 to wrap up here. Uh, Jack Leiter, yeah. phenomenal first start, iffy second start, or, or iffy second outing, and uh, a little bit of inconsistency with the command. Uh, we, we knew that was going to be a little bit of an issue. This is a guy that's going straight to double A. He's been able to limit damage despite the walks, and he's striking out everybody. Uh, and that's the really exciting part is, is the swing and miss. Uh, it's there. His last outing was his strongest, at least in the Department of Command. Uh, he did give up three hits. Uh, and two earned runs, which was the most he's given up in a singular outing. Uh, but he only walked one, which was the first time he walked less than multiple people. Uh, but 19 Ks and 12 and two thirds is phenomenal. Uh, look, Jack Leiter right now is, is you know, fighting himself on the command a little bit. But long term, I don't think anybody is, should be massively concerned about someone with Jack Leiter's work ethic, knowledge of his body, uh, yeah. ability to pitch, feel for feel to pitch, uh, not being able to get by with his command and stuff. If not for G-Rod and George Kirby, I think Jack Leiter has the highest floor of any pitching prospect in minor league baseball right You're, now. You would say floor even with the 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 nine walks and 12 and two-thirds? Yeah. I agree. 
Cause I mean, he just go listen to our interview with him. Like Pollard, just, just dude. listen to this. He's a 30, he's a 30 year old MLB vet already. Dude. He's polished as shit. I mean, like, there's no the fastball. I'm not I'm not concerned about the fastball because you've got a future 70 grade on that. It, it rises like nobody's business. Um, I From think the breaking really stuff. Point. Yeah. Yeah. The, the breaking stuff complements it well. And this guy's body like, you know, you can see it just watching a start that Jack Leiter makes watching the video that you see on Twitter. This dude's legs. Oh, it's obvious he's been squatting since he was in the womb. Like, and he's so he's, athletic on the mound, too. So he's going to find the mechanics. He's going to find it all. He's good. He's, he's just good. Like I've got zero concerns about Jack Leiter to be totally yeah. honest. Not, absolutely not, zero. not in the slightest. I'm not concerned whatsoever. Uh, and again, like he's limited damage still, uh, despite walking guys, he, he's pitched out of the jam like every single time <laughs> he has a two, eight, four ERA <laughs> despite walking nine dudes in 12 and two thirds innings. So now do I think he's got, do I think he's got some of the best stuff in minor league baseball? No, I don't. I think there are guys that we've already talked about that, that have a lot better stuff. Meyer being one of them. I think Meyer has a lot better stuff than Jack Leiter, but Lighter, the way that he maximizes his stuff, and we're talking pitchability there. I think Lighter is one of the leaders in pitchability. A hundred percent. And again, he also just has that that moxie and that mentality on the mound that gives me confidence. Big game, you know. He's got a little bit of that, like Scherzer, in him, a little less psychotic, but big game. Like I know he's not going to blink. He's going to rise to the occasion. And if he's struggling, if he's in a jam, if he's off to a bad start, it's not going to compound. Like he, he has all of those intangibles. And again, if you're newer to the show, listen to our interview from from a few weeks back with Leiter just yeah. before the season, and and you'll you'll get everything you need to know in terms of his ability, his makeup, and uh, just the way he approaches the game. He's going to be a star, and he's going to be a really good pitcher for a long time. Uh, a guy that could be the best pitching prospect of baseball very soon, and the last guy we'll talk about, Yuri Perez, youngest guy in Double A. <laughs> Got off to a slow start. Oh, no. He's turned 19 two weeks ago and was not great through his first two starts in double A. And then he just absolutely carved through a good Milwaukee lineup. Double uh, A, uh, Biloxi. Uh, what is it? Biloxi Shuckers. 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 The Shuckers. The yeah, Shuckers. A really good lineup. A really good Biloxi Shuckers yeah. lineup. Um, you know, with Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer, uh, and, and many others. Five innings, 12 Ks, no walks, one hit. And that's a lineup that had just seen him uh, about a week prior or two weeks prior. Again, bringing up my buddy Griffin in this one, texted me after the game and just goes, that was the most incredibly pitched game I've been on a field for. And I was, I was just, I went back and watched the whole start. It's unbelievable. This kid's six foot eight. He's 19 years old and only fell behind 2-0 once. And how did he get out of that 2-0 count? Backdoor breaking ball, backdoor breaking ball, called strike, called strike, 98 by you elevated. And I was just, you look at that, you talk about pitchability. This guy has pitchability. And he's also six foot eight with a 98 mile an hour fastball with high spin and, and, and a ton of life and two secondaries that he already has a good feel for. This guy's a unicorn. Is it literally just like if he, if he throws 80 innings this year and G-Rod graduates, he's the top pitching prospect in baseball? I think it's him versus Daniel Espino. Yeah. And, you know, I think Leiter, Leiter's going to have too much of the, the growing pains with these guys just dominating. And again, this guy's three years younger than Jack Leiter. Uh, just, just to put that in perspective. 
He's three no, years I, younger than Jack Leiter. He's pitching it, at double here's A. The, here's the thing. We we talk about, you know, the work that Leiter puts into his body and all that stuff. We talk about the legs. We talk about the athleticism. Yuri Perez was born with this. I he he has God-given ability and and God-given ability trumps any work ethic. I'm sorry for all, for all you dreamers out there yeah. that think work ethic trumps all. Unless um, you can yes. figure out a way to be 6'8 with athleticism yeah. on the mound. Right, with a 2500 RPM fastball at 98 miles an hour. Um like it's this is God-given ability. Um and you know there are a lot of guys that that parlay God-given ability and and good work ethic into Hall of Fame careers. But Pedro Martinez has some of the most God-given ability baseball has ever seen. Yuri Perez, at 19 years old, has more God-given ability than anybody in minor league baseball. And it sounds like he's willing to put in some work to become the best pitcher in baseball. Because that's what he can be. I've heard nothing but great things about him. Um, Seeing him on the backfields, Jack, was was special. Um, Because when you're on the backfields in spring, you just get to go right up to the fence. As if you're, it's like, you know, where you're watching a high school game. Now I'm right up to the fence and I'm watching Yuri Perez, uh, you know, the fastball buzzing. It, it, what was really stood out to me is you'd have two O counts where everybody knew the fastball was coming for the most part. He wasn't doing the, the backdoor backdoor uh, get you like he was doing uh, in his last start to climb back into or out of hitters counts. Guys would know the fastball was coming and cheat for it and still be late because that's what 98 from a six foot eight release point with 2,500 RPMs will do to you. Um, and again, this is a guy who you look at the ERA, it's 5.29 right now through his through his 17 innings. He struck out 30 batters. He's walked five. Um, he's going to be he's hit, he's, he's hit four. He's hit four. He's hit four. Um, that is worth noting. That is kind of weird. But Alec Manoa hits everybody too. Um, yeah. He's he's in great shape. The fact that he's 19 in double A is unbelievable. Um, the feel for the secondaries is unbelievable. The changeup is great. The backdoor ability with the curveball. I mean, this, this guy, there's not much else to say other than he's 19. He's six foot eight. He has amazing command somehow and good stuff. What the hell? I don't know. You run out of words with this type of guy. You, you run out of, because what can you say that's groundbreaking about him? Because he's six, eight, he's 200 pounds. He's 19 years old and he's dominating double a baseball. Is he going to come up at 19? Like that's the thing is, is I thought double a was nuts for him. And then he goes out and, and does what he did last outing, you know? And, and so if he keeps carving up my, so here's the one thing we want to, we want to give one note on Yuri Perez. I've seen him fade in multiple starts now where, especially prior to the last start, I saw him fade, start to get fatigued. Um, and, and then, you know, the command started to fall apart. This is a six foot eight guy. It's a lot of energy to repeat all of those mechanics. The Marlins want to be careful with him, but he, he did not go more than five innings last year. Um, and he's yet to go more than five innings this year. So that's the one thing is stretching him out, being so, careful, elongating a six foot eight youngin. Uh, that's the one thing to, to, to monitor. But the question is, where do you stretch him out? Double A, triple A? I think or... now. Yeah. Now you start to stretch him out. You know, now you, he went five last outing. See if you can, you know, add another 10, 15 pitches add another 10, 15 pitches and, and continue to stretch him out. I think now's the time to do it. So I say we get to June. I say you you continue to quote unquote baby him um, through May. June you stretch him out at double A. If he looks strong, stretched out in double A, then you bump him up to triple A for July, August. Triple A runs through the end of September, and uh, we'll see what happens in September. To wrap up on this all, uh, with Lodolo and Green set to graduate, 
is this the best starting pitching duo uh, in the minor leagues, Meyer and Perez? Meyer and Perez. Uh, who is the second best pitching prospect for Cleveland? Because Espino is better. Yeah, uh, second best for Cleveland. Logan Allen. Yeah, see, that's the thing. That's it's pretty see, wide from there. My Meyer and Perez is eons better than the tandem of Espino and Allen. The only one that I'm looking at is G Rod and DL Hall, but we haven't seen any of DL Hall so far this year. Exactly. Um, I think it's fair to say Yuri and and Meyer to this point once Lodolo and Green graduate. Because even I look at the Mariners, you could say Kirby and and Brash, but you know, I, but Brash is going to graduate. Yeah. So then it turns into Kirby and Hancock, and I'd take Perez and Meyer over Kirby and Hancock. So so pretty exciting. Pretty exciting for Marlins fans over there to, to you know see these guys get closer and closer, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Marlins start to manage this wealth of pitching. Um, any final thoughts before we get into now for the next episode? We will be going thirty to twenty-one, uh, and yeah. that's going to include the tandem of new shortstops with Lawler and Meyer, Jordan Walker, uh, Robert Hassel. Like we we've got some fun fun names uh, that we're going to be going through in the next episode. Uh, so very much looking forward to that. Also, we'll have a prospect interview this week as well. Yeah, I mean we got a ton of um, we've got a ton of hitters next go around. I thought this was the most enticing pitcher top ten that we've done here. So like you know I'm I'm looking at twenty through eleven now and like that's where the arms are, but. Um, you know, so some of the most exciting bats at all of minor league baseball are, are in our next rundown. A hundred percent. And I cannot wait to get to Corbin Carroll because that might just be a whole episode itself. <laughs> I hear right. you. That'll do it for this super long episode, because as we get to better players, it's more time talking about really, really good players. So we want to do them justice. And I imagine we were trying to do 20 an episode before. Yeah, seriously. Would have taken us four hours. Uh, thank you so much for spending uh, so much of your day with us, listening and talking prospects. And uh, we'll continue this throughout the week as we finish up this top 100 breakdown. We'll also have a few. We might have two prospect interviews this week. Uh, we definitely will have one uh, and, and we'll have more moving forward now that we have these Monday built in off days and uh, some more solidified schedules for minor leaguers. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.